Hello, everyone. I'm super excited to talk to this person. She's another podcaster, and she talks about one of my favorite topics, sex. I'm really super excited to talk with her. <laughs> and her name is Melanie Curtin. She is a sex researcher and men's coach with a master's in communication from Stanford University. She's a columnist at Inc. Magazine and has been published or seen on the Today Show, Huffington Post, Forbes, Business Insider, The New York Observer, and more. She's been coaching men for over six years and specializes in bringing a woman's perspective to men so they can connect and succeed with women in fun, inviting, and meaningful ways that lead to fulfilling sex and relationships. So important. Welcome, Melanie. I'm super excited to talk with you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you. So it's so fun talking to other podcasters, right? I don't know. It's just, we're like this different category of people and it's just, I don't know. It's just super fun. <laughs> it is. And we were just discussing doing more video <clears throat> before we got on here. And I do, I do agree. I sort of feel like I've been born and bred in the podcasting audio only. So it's definitely a shift moving more into video as well. Absolutely. So quickly tell us the name of your podcast before we get started, because I think that's important to know up front. Yeah. My podcast is Dear Men, How to Rock Sex, Dating, and Relationships with Women. That is so awesome. And I, of course, was reading up on you because I do that with all my guests. And I think it's super fun to find out what people talk about, other people research and stuff. And one of the things you found is that men love to get women off, right? They love to do that. But only about 10% of women or less say that men are good in bed. There's quite a disconnect there. What's What's going on? Yeah. So that's a great question. And I think that part of it is the way that I phrase the question. So I'm a sex researcher. I do original sex research primarily through surveys. So I, my work is a little bit like a confessional. So I send out surveys and they're confidential and anonymous. So I get mm -hmm. a lot of responses from people who are sort of sharing their heart around sexuality and relationships in a way that maybe they've not shared with anyone because they know no one they know is going to read it. It's not going to hurt anyone's feelings. So it's a little bit like <laughs> a professional. And this particular research that you're pointing to was a series of surveys that I did. I combined the results of where I wanted to know how many men were good in bed. And mm -hmm. I primarily work with cisgender, hetero men who have sex with women mm -hmm. and vice versa. So I tend to work with sexes that have sex with each other. My mm -hmm. research is all inclusive and I do have a lot more research, the ones that I'm points that I'm going to focus on today are sort of men who have sex with women and women who have sex with men and those, sure. those dynamics. And so I was really curious as a woman who has sex with men myself, like how many men are good in bed and right. how many in my experience, and I have, I'd say a significant amount of experience, very few of the men that I had slept with were really, really good in bed. There was sort of a, there was some okay. And then there were a lot of men where I actually was in pain. And yeah. so I was curious about, you know, is my experience unique? What is the general quote unquote general experience of women who have sex with men? How many men are good in bed? So I straight up asked women, how many of the men that you've slept with were good in bed? <laughs> and the, the statistic that you cited was essentially only 10% of men were ranked as good in bed by women. Wow. So inversely, 90% were not good in bed. Yeah. And I believe that there are several things going on there. And one of them is this thing showed up in the research called the divide. So when I have had sex with men, this has happened multiple times. I'm very curious to hear about your experience. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the 
issues that I've had is that it has hurt. And I think when we talk about sex being painful, a lot of men in particular think that we're talking about intercourse and I'm not necessarily talking about that. Most of what I'm talking about is fingers. So the way that they with their hands and their fingers was painful. It was too hard. It was too rough. It was too much. It was too fast. You know, it was just, ow, that hurts. Now, did I ever tell them how it hurts? No, I did not. Right. This showed up in the research again and again. There was a divide between men and women. And one of the divide, the major divide was, you know, I can even read it to you from the research, but I asked people, what do you wish you could have told a previous partner about the sex? And on the men's side, a lot of men said, I need her to tell me what she likes, what she needs. Tell mm-hmm. me what's good and what doesn't. She won't tell me how to be better. Doing wrong. Show me how to do it right or how you like it. Take my hand, take my penis, show me. Tell me while having sex so I won't move or stop. And then on the other side, <laughs> women are saying, they, so the question again is, what do you wish you could have told a previous partner about the sex? And women are saying, basically everything that are my needs, how I want it to be, or how to touch, be more what I want, and more importantly, what I don't, how to please me. So mm-hmm. there's this divide between men that are kind of like, I want to know what you like and what you want, what's working and what's not. And women are saying, I want to tell you, but I'm really scared. I'm really scared. So what the theme in the research, and this was part of why I didn't speak up in those moments was women kind of have four major fears around what will happen if Mm -hmm. they are honest about particularly something that's not working. So Mm -hmm. in my case, you know, I'd be with a guy who I really liked, right? Who I was excited to be sexual with, right. he would be touching me with his with his hands or his fingers and it would hurt. Mm-hmm. Really afraid to say, ow, that hurts. Please do mm-hmm. something else. Because I was afraid he would say, oh, you don't like how I do it? Well, fuck you then. I don't right. do it. So I was afraid of being attacked. And mm-hmm. when I researched, there were kind of four major themes. That was one of them. But yep. one of the other big ones women were afraid of was if I say something, if I speak up, about something that I, that's not working for me, he'll just withdraw. He'll go away. Shut down. He'll shut down. I'll never hear from him again. You know, it'll, it'll basically end things. And Mm -hmm. so point here is that a lot, I think a lot of men don't get honest feedback from women about what's happening in sex during sex. Mm -hmm. And that, and so part of what I do is I coach men on how to elicit, how to coax her forward, how to receive her truth so that you are getting the right information. Because I think this is a very human thing that I talk about all the time, which is we assume the other person will tell us if it's not working. And the truth is looking at the research, that is a false assumption. We cannot assume someone is going to tell us. We have to actually ask them. We have to coax it forward from them. Mm -hmm. And I think Something, you know, I teach a streaming course on sex called Please Her in Bed. And that's one of the things that I talk about is how to talk about sex and how to kind of invite her forward, particularly for men who have sex with women. Because in looking at research, it's actually, it's significantly harder for men, for women to speak up about what they're wanting or needing during sex. And the female body takes significantly longer to become aroused. So the right. male body takes about seven minutes to come to full physiological arousal. <laughs> the female body takes about 40 minutes. The research <laughs> varies from 25 to 40 minutes. Sure. My point is that, you know, part of the reason that women keep talking about pain, their number one sex problem is pain, is mm-hmm. because the way that men are touching women 
a lot of the time is the way that they touch themselves or the way right. that because they can handle so much more pressure so much faster. Whereas mm-hmm women's bodies, female bodies just take a lot longer. So you need much more gentle touch, much lighter, much more teasing, you know, much less pressure at the beginning of a sexual encounter with a woman than necessarily with a man. I just threw a lot at you. So I'm going to (laughs) pause. I think that goes, I mean, really it's a, don't go for the pussy immediately, right? Don't just go for pussy. I know that men want to insert, of course they do. That's enjoyable to them, but don't have the goal be, I'm going to I want to put my dick in you, right? Like that has to be, that's part of it. But if they're being driven by that, they're going to go straight to pussy and they're going to be more rough, I think. That's why I see it. And I also think a lot of this comes from shaming women, not supposed to talk about sex. Men talk about sex way more than women do, and it's more acceptable for them to talk about it. So it's it's largely, I think, cultural that women feel that way. And I think, too, they worry about Crushing the male ego, which the male ego is very driven by the dick, which I get. I totally get it. But it makes us feel like they are very fragile. And we don't want to like totally offend them and just ruin the moment by like, oh, you know, like you you got to be careful how you say it. Yeah, that was one thing that um, I feel like was really obvious in the research was when I asked women, you know, like, did you ever share this with a man? So mm. to back up, one of the questions I asked was, which I was curious about, again, a lot of my research came from my own curiosity was, have you ever broken up with someone because of the sex? Right. And I asked both sexes this, right? I asked everyone, pansexual, you know, people that identified all kinds of ways. So not necessarily yeah. just hetero people. I said, have you ever broken up with someone because of the sex? And then I, I did separate out the sexes that have sex with each other. So mostly hetero or people who have sex with each other. Mm-hmm. And what I found was that I assumed that the answer for men would be higher. We talk a lot about how sex is important to men and how mm-hmm. there's a there's an assumption in our culture that sex is more important to men than women. I don't believe right. that. I don't either. But I was raised in this culture and I'm swimming in this, you know, North American culture and I really thought <laughs> this would be the case. So, have you ever broken up with someone because of the sex? 49% of men said yes, mm-hmm. including so yeah, about half of men have broke, have ended a relationship because of the sex. So I'm, so I'm parsing the research and I'm like, oh yeah. So maybe the women's number will be like 30% or 25%, maybe half uh-huh. 61% of women said, wow, yes. even higher 1% Amazing. said Amazing. Yes. yes. And, um, I have, you know, the little other box that you can check. And uh-huh. so actually 64% said either wow. some, said yes. And a lot of them, that checked the other box said, I've never done it before, but I'm thinking about doing it right now. Wow. And again, I really think that it's not so much about the sex itself. It's about, can I communicate with you about this? Yeah, yeah. And so something that I think a trend that is important because I think we do have a lot of men listening. This has happened to me multiple times and this came up in the research. One of the women said, I try to tell him what to do. He adjusts for about two minutes and then he goes back to the way he's been doing it. That has happened to me as well, where I'll say, Ooh, lighter, lighter, or like actually like would love less pressure around my clit because it, it basically gets numbed out if it's, if there's too much pressure. Yeah. I'll hold him adjust for either like a few minutes or for that whole sexual encounter. But then the next time he goes back to the way he was doing it. Yeah. Part of the problem is that I don't want to be a nag. I don't want to, right. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to be that, that person. And so mm-hmm. I'll grin and bear it. And yeah. that issue, because if I'm grinning and bearing it, I'm not actually enjoying the sex. No. And 
what I noticed because I work with primarily with men, but I also work with couples is that one of the things that happens is if the sex is painful or not pleasurable for her, she doesn't want to do it as much, which is obvious, but one of the major issues and a big reason people go to sex therapists or sex coaches like myself is, oh, we have a difference in libido, right? Like he Mm -hmm. wants more than she does. Well, often when you dig into it, it's not just libido. It's also the kind of sex that they're having. And again, a lot of what we're talking about, if I'm not experiencing pleasure because I'm experiencing pain, right? It's not even (laughs) neutral. It's not neutral. It's like, if your hands are too, if you're giving me too much pressure, if it's too hard and too fast, Mm -hmm. then I'm bracing. There's a part of it. I'm kind of like clenching my body. I'm sort of trying myself at the same time as like sort of trying to give you pleasure. Like I want you to be having a good time with me, or I feel my wifely duty, or, you know, there's some reason I'm like, you're my man. I want you to be having a good time. And if, if you're not listening to those nuances and really eliciting her, her feedback, you're not going to be necessarily giving her the pleasure that you want to be giving her. And so this is that I teach in my course is how to ask winning questions in bed. Mm. A lot of the time, you know, one of the things that that men will say is like, how is that? Or is that good? And right. if you ask, is that good? There's an immense amount of pressure for us to say yes, mm-hmm. or how's that good, right? We want, we want you to win. We want you to say good versus something like, how's that pressure? Right. Like kind of answering, you want to be getting to open-ended <laughs> questions, not because yeah. you want some feedback. You want to get mm-hmm. some feedback. And the other thing is, you know, I'm a big fan of the sex debrief. So, <laughs> and you know, kind of going over like, Hey, like what, what did you enjoy about that? What would you have wanted more of? Right. Want more of is a great way of phrasing, like an inviting way of kind of getting more of the truth. And I'll give you just one quick example of gave a talk on this topic. Mm-hmm. And, and after the fact, um, one of the men came up to me and said, you know, I've been kind of employing some of these tactics. And I, I asked my woman the other night, like, you know, is there anything that you want to share about like what just happened or anything you'd want more of? And she said, well, actually, um, you remember when you were kind of like stroking me for a while and then I got really quiet and he was like, yeah, I, I switched directions or I did something else. Cause I felt like that wasn't working. And she said, mm-hmm. actually, I get, I tend to get really quiet right before I come. So oh, yeah, yeah. going in that direction, I would have had an orgasm and they had been right. for like eight months or 10 months or something. Like and she'd been too shy or kind of embarrassed or maybe for whatever reason, often like embarrassment and being shy is one of the reasons that women don't sort of speak up proactively, but because right. he asked and he created that safe sexual space, she mm. was able into it. And he got some really, really valuable information. So I think that's one of the most inspiring things to me is hearing from the partners, hearing from the men who are like, you know what, this is actually working. <laughs> it's really working. Right. And I've learned things that I didn't know in sort of even 10 years of marriage. It's just wild to me how many people are in sexual relationships, not talking about the sex. I would say as a second, I'm going to go with the vast majority I'd say 90% plus of couples aren't talking about their sex lives in this, in this way. They might talk about, you know, Hey, we haven't had sex in a while or like, maybe we should, right. You know, get some help, but not like actually the way you finger me hurts, right? That's tender. It's such a tender and vulnerable thing to share. And 
being afraid of someone feeling criticized and what mm. will happen you if they feel criticized is a major impediment to to truth telling. So that that idea of I love coaching men on how to invite women forward, how to really elicit their truth, how to help hold their heart, how to really make that space to make it safe. To mm-hmm. me that's one of the keys because I think a lot of what's out there right now focuses on like well women should speak up, like women should just speak up more, which is true on the one hand and it's mm-hmm. it's more than that. There are more layers than just that. Well, there is. And I think the way you just described it to debriefing is better because it's not in the moment of sex. It's not going to alter the moment, the, the heat, the feel, because sometimes some things can stop your flow. So like if you talk about it afterwards, there's nobody put on the spot. There's less likely going to be like hurt feelings. And then you can use that information going forward. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a big point because sometimes it's harder to say it during like yeah, we were kind of, as women, we're cultured to be caretakers, to grin and bear it and just make it through. We're tough. I mean, we're tough. Women are tough. And so we just, we get along, we move on. And so that is another thing that keeps women from not saying anything, you know, like people pleasing, or I want to take care of you. I want you to feel good. I want you to come instead of thinking of themselves. So that's the environment we need, I think, too, for, for men to be like, make it an environment where she can speak up. Or she can mm-hmm. say what she wants and the right time and place matters, as you just said. Yes. Just I have a few quotes from the research I think are kind of interesting. So, uh, so as I mentioned, there's sort of four fears that women have about speaking yes. up. Mm-hmm. First one is what I shared, which is like, oh yeah, you don't like how I do it. Well, fuck mm-hmm. you then. I won't do it right. anymore. Right. And this is from the research. She said, he was so emotionally fragile that if I tried to redirect him or tell him what I needed or wanted, he would get hurt and then bring up what I said in public to shame me. Right. That's kind of like the worst case scenario. Like that's, that's a lot of our fears. Like, oh shit. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. I criticize, then I'm going to get backlash. There was another woman who said there were times I asked him to go slow, but he didn't say it's because it hurts. Somewhere along the line, I did start saying it hurts, but he took it really personally. He right. said- wrong with you. You don't like sex. It ruined our relationship. So that's oh, yeah. big fear. Number one. The second one is what we talked about was withdrawing. So this woman said, I'm not afraid he'll attack me or anything. I'm just afraid he'll turn away and never come back. Mm. So that's a big, that's a, that's a big fear, right? It's like a big risk for yes. us to cross the divide. If you ask us, if you create the space, if you want to know, if you, if you ask, it makes it feel a lot safer to share particularly yes. something like, actually, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of painful. Like when you, when you finger me at first, it's like, it kind of hurts. I would love less pressure. Um, by the way, I'm just say, looking at the sex research, she's probably going to say that. So I'm just preempting. <laughs> kind of everywhere there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Number three was a fear a lot of women have is my last girlfriend was way easier than you. You're broken. Mm-hmm. I think that, that is a word that has come up repeatedly in my experience on women's side of, of sex research is I'm afraid that I'm broken. Trouble yes. orgasm is really high on the list. Yeah, yeah. I believe it. Men's sex problems as well, if that's interesting. But that's, it was basically pain was the number one sex problem. And then right next to that was trouble orgasming. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of different reasons for that, but that's something that came up for the women a lot was, am I broken? I feel broken. Why, why isn't this working for me? I should be having more pleasure. I should be having more orgasms. Again, some of it is the way that we teach, meaning we don't teach. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> how to have, women, how to have, how to 
please how to pleasure female bodies. Mm-hmm. We don't watch it. We just have porn, which doesn't show what actual female bodies right. like enjoy the vast majority of the time. Because of that, men are ill-prepared. So they're yes. trying, they're trying their best, they're doing their best, and they don't realize that what they're doing is actually hurting her and mm-hmm. she's not telling them. So again, there's this sort of mess, but that word broken is part of it. She feels broken because yeah. she's not learning from what's going on. And sometimes that's what the man is doing. Sometimes it's also her history of sexual trauma or the sure. interaction between those. But again, him creating that space for her to come forward helps with a lot of this. And then the last, um, I think you'll find this interesting. The last fear is we're afraid that you'll say, wow, you're really slutty. And here Uh, about that. She said, I've always had an easier time talking about and doing new things with a fling rather than my partner, because Mm -hmm. I don't know what my fling thinks, but I don't want my partner to think I'm a trashy whore. I don't want my partner to think I'm a trashy whore. And again, I think that's one of those things that we, we, it's still happening, right? We still, I know myself, I still have that sense of, I can either be sexual or I can be respected. Right. I can be sexual or I can be respected. And I have to choose between those. I remember I, I chose not to have full sex with this, this guy years ago. I think you'll appreciate this story. Uh, <laughs> partly related to this. So we were making out, he wasn't very good at kissing and he was <laughs> rough with his hands. So he was touching okay. me. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to have sex with you tonight because you're not, you're not gentle enough. Like you're not, you're not good at this. But he thought, so I said, when we were hooking up, I said, you know what? I'm, I think I'm going to stop. Like, I don't really know you. We just met, like, I'm not really comfortable. So I kind of used that as an excuse, right? Like know you well enough. And the next day I, I lived with other people at housemates at the time. I could hear him in the other room. And he said something like, Mel is a lady. Mel is a lady. And I was like, yep, see, you're reinforcing this idea that yeah. because I notice sex, now I can be respected. Now I'm seen as yeah. a lady. I have, I have status or something. Versus if you'd been really good at using your hands, if you had taken my course and you knew how to turn, <laughs> definitely would have fucked you last night. But yeah, exactly. Actually, has nothing to do with me being a lady. But I, again, you know, similar to this whole conversation, I was scared of saying how yeah. it hurts or like, that's not really how I like it. I didn't feel comfortable saying that to him. So I just chose not to have full sex with him and right. also chose not to go on another date with him. I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to pass. And I think mm-hmm. that a lot where women don't want to say, I want this to be different. I need this to be different for this to feel pleasurable to me. They mm-hmm. just and I think that that statistic, 61% of women have left a relationship sort of backs that up. I'm curious, if have you had any experiences like that? Does this resonate at all with you? Yeah. And I mean, I think a big thing too is that definitely one thing I want to say too is we need to stop accepting or believing or assuming that women don't want sex. And if they do, they're a slut. You know what I mean? Like it's it's such a double standard. Men want women to have sex and like sex. But if you in any way are like, not expressing yourself the right way, suddenly you're a slut. But mm-hmm. you know what? I mean, it, you know, and that can be very sexy too. Dirty talk, I think, is sexy. And I don't mind dirty talk. In fact, it turns me on. But there is a difference. If you have respect behind those dirty words, it's so different. You know? I mean, it's just, you've got to have the respect. You can't not respect someone because they like sex. That's like saying, I want you to like milkshakes, but I want you to have drink it, but I don't want you to really enjoy it that much. 
<laughs> oh no, I can't hear you. Oh, sorry about that. I oh, think it's odd. It's odd too because we do we live in in North America. We live in a puritanical culture. Fortunately, <laughs> we also live in a hypersexualized culture. Yes. So it's like these opposing forces that make it really strange, actually. Uh huh. Yes. And kind of stilted. And one of the one of the ways that I see that show up in my work a lot is, so I work primarily with cishet men who have a lot of fear and anxiety about being labeled creepy or perverted. So right. the men that I work with are wonderful men that I love and just, they're just respectful. They want to get it right. They want to do it right. They want to be sure. there for women. They, they just, they're wonderful guys. And they're so terrified of being labeled mm. creepy or perverted. Yes. They hold back a lot. So a mm. lot of what I do is helping those men own their power, step forward, be more assertive because, and there is a difference, you know, I've lived abroad. I don't know if you have, and some of my mm-hmm. clients have as well. There is a palpable difference between how it feels to be a person that I'll just focus on being a man, being a man who pursues women in other countries versus in North America. There is, I more, believe it. There's more fear and anxiety. There's more, there's more shame and it's, it's subtle, but it's there. It's like a lot of the men that I work with, you know, they're afraid of a woman throwing a drink in their face. They're afraid of being creepy. They're afraid of making her uncomfortable. I see that a lot less in places like Europe and Latin America. Mm -hmm. It's not that same fear of, of course, there's always fear of rejection. Like that's, that's a universal, Mm -hmm. but the fear of, oh, if I approach a woman, I will be humiliated. That fear is different. That fear is much more pronounced here in North America. And I have a Mm -hmm. lot of compassion for men. I was reading a really interesting article about trans men and trans women who are mm. the only people in the world with a lived experience of both being being this oh, sex. Oh, sure. Steve does that and living in the world lived experience. Yeah. And there was a trans man. So they used to live as a woman. They transitioned. They were living as a man. And this man was saying, you know, I used to go to playgrounds and pick up my kids and it wasn't a problem. I was just right. there. And they said, yeah, as a man, I get different looks. I feel different. And he also said, I get more respect and less connection. Uh Now as a man, I get more respect and less connection. I thought that was deep. This is a really great article. I don't know if you'd be interested. I could drop the link. Absolutely. That's fascinating. Of insights like that. And I just felt my heart go out to him and and Frank, all, all men, because it is very lonely and isolating being a man. And that right. you know, from isolation drives a lot of the problems that we see in sex and relationships. Because yep. so men's top sex problem is pain. One of men's top sex problems is I don't I don't feel like I'm getting enough. Like I'm hungry. Like the word hungry, yeah. the word thirsty came up of just sure. like just I just need more. And right. I believe a lot of that is there's a deep desire for connection and intimacy just about sex, but sex is one of the few places in, in a relationship or in a man's life where he feels like he is getting that sense of closeness and intimacy and love and, you know, connection because 
it's just, it's hard, you know, for a lot of men to connect with other men in our culture. And so there's just such a sense of loneliness and isolation in general. So they can be quite vulnerable to needing to get that from a partner versus having a lot of connection in general in their life and coming to the relationship with that. That makes a lot of sense. And and I hear what you're saying too. It's like, yes, women are cultured a certain way, but so are men. And I have an example of that where I write, I write erotica, right? So I sometimes will post little snippets of erotica on social media. And one day, one man said to me, you know, I love what you write. And he goes, but if I wrote that, I would get people hating me, calling me a pervert, calling me disgusting, and just seeing me a certain way. And I'm like, you know what? He's right. 100% he's right. Like as a woman, I can do that. And I can say this sexy stuff and no one's like, oh, she's a pervert. No, that's the opposite. They're like, oh, damn, I love that she's thinking this way. I love that thought, you know? And so they are cultured as well. So this is what's making us all be all fucked up together. We're not meshing. <laughs> We're not peanut butter and jelly. We are not meshing. We are just totally opposite and it's not flowing well and it's causing us all lots of problems. We'll be back after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by the Spring Cleaning Champions, Manscaped. This season, make sure the man in your life grooms his carpets and his drapes with the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Have him clear out that winter bush with Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 and watch his confidence bloom like the springtime flowers. Embrace the season and have him join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our special offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, for the 20% off and free shipping. Have you ever been doing some oral pleasure and got some hairs in your mouth or your teeth? Well, <laughs> Manscaped can help with that. Try being clean shaven or spring cleaning. After he uses Manscaped, you can say, hmm, let's get some busy with some spring fever in the bedroom. Try out Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It is an amazing trimmer that features two interchangeable heads. One for taking a little off the top and the new foil blade to go smooth. If you want to go smooth for spring cleaning, make sure you try out Manscaped products. Bring on those smooth skin sexy slaps in the bedroom. And how do you do that? Use Manscaped products to shave clean down in your pubic area. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, all caps at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code RUIN at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in his pants, right? In your pants if you're a man. <laughs> spring clean your groin area. Try smooth. Try it with Manscaped. I think that's a really great example. And I love, I have a lot of respect for you and what you do and the, and the compassion that you bring. Cause I think it's, it's actually very validating for that man to say like, yeah, you, that's true. <laughs> You're right. right. It's different. <laughs> there, you know, we are, I think just sort of swinging as a culture in many ways of like, where is the middle way, right? Where yeah. we this way and then that way. And, and so there's a lot of chaos, I think, in the cultural field right now about a lot of things. And we haven't kind of found that middle middle ground or middle path, right. um, which I think is 
I think an example of that is the heart cock matrix that I oh, was yes. <laughs> you a little bit. There's a there's an energetic that I've noticed in my clients and just in men in the world where if you think of sort of like a X and Y axis. So back in the day, eighth grade, we're going back to eighth grade. Um, <laughs> sort of like the heart is the flat axis and okay. the energy is the is the up and down axis. Mm-hmm. Men fall somewhere on this grid, right? They have a certain amount of heart energy and a certain amount of cock energy. Uh-huh. This is not fixed. I'm not saying this is fixed. This, this sure. is neutral, but I'm going to go go here for the purpose of the discussion. So mm-hmm. heart energy is, you know, tends to be like emotional intelligence, ability to connect, sort of. I wouldn't say softness necessarily, but like, yeah, heart connected, right? We kind of all know what that means. And then cock energy. And I use that word specifically because cock energy is more about driving things forward, power, ability to penetrate the world, not just, not just Mm -hmm. going after what you want power, right? So you've got Mm -hmm. heart on the bottom and you got power on the, on the y-axis. And what I find is that a lot of men have too much of one or the other. And so if you have too much heart energy and not enough cock energy, these are, I work with a lot of these guys. These are kind of the nice guys. These Mm -hmm. guys get friend zoned. They, maybe they'll get first dates. They're not getting second dates. Really frustrating. It's, um, they're tend to be, they tend to feel safe for women to be around. It's like, Oh, he Mm -hmm. feels like, would you date him? Like, no, no, right. Tied to looks. I can tell you, I have worked with objectively very attractive men who in this category, this is not about looks. And then in the cock category, if you (laughs) got a guy with a lot of cock energy and not a lot of heart energy, you know, all the way over, you're going to be with the rapey guys, right? The guys who like, they're just what they want. But if you go on the scale a bit, you know, you kind of got your fuck boys, like they're going (laughs) to, they're going to be able to, to get sexual partners. But I've worked with these guys, not necessarily fuck boys. I don't work with fuck boys, but I've worked Mm -hmm. with have more of this kind of power, you know, driving forward energy, not as much on the connection energy, the heart energy. Mm -hmm. And what happens to them is they can't sustain relationships. Women, So high value women themselves high value women leave them because it's like I can't feel you I can't I don't feel connected to you I can't where are right. you I need I need more connection and they're like mm-hmm. I don't know what that means like I they sort of they're confused yeah. uh, so so what we have is really the top right quadrant is what women really crave mm-hmm. when you really what you really want is a man who's connected to his power and who's safe a man who's connected to his power and who's heart connected, where you can feel his heart and you can feel his power. You can feel his cock. And those men are attuned. They are attuned. Yeah, yeah. The moment calls for. So I think there's some really interesting, I was just going to read a few things from the research that sort of reflect this. So yes. in, the, in the world of sexuality, the way this shows up is I call it light sexual energy and dark sexual energy. And okay. women really wants both depending yes. on the answer what's going on. 100%. So, men only have access to one or the other. They only have access to light sexual energy or dark sexual energy. Mm. And this will show up. I've done qualitative research as well as quantitative. And Uh one of the noticed in the qualitative research is men that are in balance that have too much light sexual energy and really in touch with their power yet, they won't even say the word sex. They'll Uh say we're intimate or when we make love and there's nothing wrong with phrase making. But if you can't also say sex, they're fuck. Shame. <laughs> exactly. 
was so interesting. I could see in the words that men use, how yes. they talk about sex. I could I base it. how much sex they were having. So mm-hmm. this was something that showed up in the research. These were women's, one of the questions I asked was, what is something you wish you could have told a previous partner with no sugar coating? These were some other So the too much light sexual energy, women said, I need him to be rougher. Mm -hmm. It felt like I was making love to my sister. (laughs) Be more assertive. I won't break. Don't shy. I want you to ravage me. Right. Dominance. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. Too much. Like that man can't bring the other side of the range. If you think that it's like a range of light and dark, there's to light. And again, this is not fixed. I work with men around bringing them into balance. So this is not a fixed thing. It's not like you're born. Right. This is just, but this is, if you're experiencing this, this is part of what's going on. And then yeah. the two dark sexual energy women said, being a poker, basically jackrabbit yeah. sex with finger, uh-huh. Uh-huh. being too forceful or rough. You're not a jackhammer and you're actually hurting me. Mm-hmm. Jabbing me like they are stabbing me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Too fast or rough. Driving in too soon. It hurts when you aren't ready and things aren't wet enough. And again, it's not that, it's not that we don't want, we want both basically is the point of this. We want both. Yes, we we do. So both. And like I said, you know, just in terms of the the touch, like the lightness or hardness, roughness of the touch, Mm -hmm. when his body is becoming aroused, you need a lot more gentle of a touch, right? She doesn't have as much I'm going to get a little technical, but she doesn't have as much blood engorging her genitalia. So it's <laughs> more sensitive. It's just really yeah. sensitive. Clitoris is mm-hmm. very sensitive. The vulva, you know, everything's quite sensitive. Yes. After 20 minutes, if she's been aroused, well, she can take a lot more pressure at that point, right? Yes. Then, ooh, that, that, you know, so what would have felt like a jackhammer before now will be, might be a turn on. And so mm-hmm. the changing the attunement is part of, understanding what she wants now or what's being called for in the moment, right? It's, it's not just about what she wants. We want you to bring your desire yeah. to them. Mm-hmm. Your desire. So it's not yes. just what we want, but that ability to attune and be, and understand, frankly, how female bodies work, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. you need less pressure at the beginning and then you can bring a lot more in, but the, but the sense of like, I'm taking you, right. I'm ravaging you. That, that's, yes power and drive that is passion passion that's not a physical that's not necessarily about the amount of pressure it's about Mm -hmm. the intention it's about the energy it's it's about all this so here are a few quotes from the men that were good in bed like the men Uh. a lot of time (laughs) talking about this like what did they do how did they act like what's going on so these are i would say I call it integrated men. So men who've integrated heart energy and cock energy, the top okay. right, that's really what we want or craving. Yes. These are what they said about the integrated men. It was slow and deliberate and left me begging in the end. Yeah. I feel like he read me like a book, played me like a fine instrument. Uh-huh. Yep. He broke me out of the cage of vanilla sex that was my marriage. Oh, oh wow. Wow. Uh, These are great lines for erotica, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I just, I really can't stress enough how much I have witnessed men shift in this area too. I guess I just want to say for, for the men listening, yeah. I've worked countless nice guys to to help them access their power and step into that that realm and it works and their lives become different. They're like, oh my God, this is actually a lot less work. 
Yes. Oh, I can imagine. Bringing this part forward, it's really working with women. And this is so much less work than I was, because it's a lot of work for the nice guys. They're trying to get it right so badly, so hard, trying Mm -hmm. so hard and spending so much energy trying to be, be a good guy and be the nice guy and do things right. And that's not, it's not working. Because that's not right. really what we're wanting. We're wanting your power, we're wanting your desire, we're wanting your straightforward directness. And a lot of that gets muted and tamped down and tamed and kind of tucked away for, for nice guys. So bringing their power forward brings them up. In my experience, a lot of the men that I work with that are nice guys, they have a lot of great relationship skills already. So when mm-hmm. you add in the power and you add in this, this we're talking about, they're actually really ready for relationships. So they tend to get into relationships pretty quickly. Sure. And then these guys over here, the guys that are that ha- have more power online, as mm-hmm. they open their hearts, one of the things that I've seen is uh, they just tend to relax more into life. They, a lot of them have a lot of, like they're quite rigid. They have some rigidity mm-hmm. around things and yeah, they're yeah. everything on their own and they're very lonely. And mm-hmm. as they open Part, they're a lot more available for their partners. So the depth of connection and the type of connection, they're like, wow, I didn't, I never knew this was possible. You know, we just had a guy recently who's kind of on the side of like opening his heart more. He said, and he's in, he's in relationship. He said, wow, I, I just had sex with my partner with my heart open for the first time. And it was totally different. I didn't even wow. know before. And it's other level that he's able to get to that is just, just wasn't available before. So I think there's a depth and a richness to life that comes online for those men. I just wanted to to speak to that because this isn't fixed. If you hear yourself, you're like, oh yeah, I'm <laughs> that nice guy category. I'm fucked for life. You're not. Right. <laughs> work right. life. And, and yeah, just the depth of connection is, is remarkable. I can think of a, a nice guy situation too, where I was with a guy and he was like, do you, you know, he had already come and I had come a couple of times and he's like, do you want more? And it seemed so lackluster to me, like passionless. I'm like, if you feel like it felt like, so this is like a duty to you. Like if you were, if he said to me, I'm going to make you come again, I'd be like, fuck yeah. You know? So like, there's a, (laughs) there's a total difference. Do you want more? I'm going to make you fucking come again. You know, like what, which one's going to turn the woman on? Like, oh, it's kind of lackluster. He doesn't seem that into it or he wants to make me come again. Yes. Fuck yes. I'm choosing that one. Yes. And I think that's a perfect example of the orientation of, you know, you're more important than me. So do you want more? It's like the focus is on you, right? If I'm Mm. focused on the woman, like, how are you doing? What are you wanting? Where, you know, where are you at? What, what, what should I be doing for you right now? Versus trusting your own power or trusting your own decision. Testing, you're like, I'm going to make you come again. Right. Takes a certain amount of trust in in yourself, in yourself as a, to trust your desire, trust that she finds your desire attractive. There's a lot of self-trust that's required to sure. make a statement like that. And that's what I think I work with a lot in our men is helping them trust themselves and, and, and really letting go of shame. Like it's mm-hmm. great that you're a sexual being. It's not even right. Sexual. Okay, it's like that's attractive. Amazing. You know, 
alive is attractive to us. And I think a lot of them have been really shamed in their families of origin and by the culture that your drive is dangerous, that your sexual drive is dangerous, that your sexual can't control themselves, right? Like that's something like, oh, you're a man. Oh, you can't control yourself sexually. You're just going to go around fucking everybody. And, you know, yeah. And I think they're cultured that way as well. So they probably go way too far over. So they're not doing the ravishing. They're not doing the ravaging. They're not bringing that passion and desire that she wants. Yes, exactly. I, um, I had this this fun quote from the research. Uh, this one, this one guy said, "Before the course, in terms of oral, I realized I was very perfunctory in my technique." <laughs> woman, this this like really touched me. He said, "The woman never really complained, but I realize now she was probably disappointed." Uh-huh. After course, one woman who is particularly difficult to please in most aspects, not just sex, moaned in an unmistakably genuine way when I gave her oral sex. She mm. also mentioned it a day or two later, saying she had no idea I could be so good at it. <laughs> but I really, I really felt for him because I just, when you said the way that that man said that to you, mm. that perfunctory jumped out at me of like, yes, perfunctory versus perfunctory. like, wow, she moaned in this way that was like, oh no, that, that was real. <laughs> right. And to pay attention to the moans, you know, like, and this is why we got to talk about stuff too, but to pay attention to those moans, when is she doing excessive moats when is she doing more when does it feel like damn this is real there's you know and when women need to also make sure they only make sounds when it feels good there should yeah. be no faking no faking that's not going to help a damn thing yeah it's interesting you bring that up because i did ask about that in the research as well and it's 54 of women said that they'd faked orgasm and when mm. i asked why that what i brought up earlier came up a lot which is I care about him. Yes. I want him to win. I wanted him to win. I, I yeah. hard down there, you know, like I just really, <laughs> I remember one of my women friends talking about it. She was hooking up with a guy for a while and um, he would go down on her and she could tell that he was disappointed that she would, she couldn't, she couldn't come or she wasn't mm-hmm. orgasm oral. Yes. And, and she never told him again, like saying she never told him, but she was basically like, for for my body, I need a finger or two in addition to the tongue from yeah, from me. To sure. Come. And again, if he had sort of during the debrief been like, "Hey, I would would love to talk about this. Like, is there anything you wanted more of?" And I'd love to talk about oral. Like, how was that? If he had created some space for her to share, if he had yes. brought, it, coaxed it out of her, I know that she would have told him. But yeah. to proactively say. It's just so hard. It's so hard for us to be the ones to go first because mm-hmm. I think in her case, I think it was mostly that last category of for her to be like, by the way, if you want me to come when you're going down on me, here's how it would work. I think that she she was raised in a pretty sexually repressed household and very much like good girls don't have sex. Not exactly like that, but along those lines, that yep. it would have been like such a risk for her to admit. I am a sexual being. I like to have orgasms. Here's Mm -hmm. how you help me have an orgasm. It's such a risk. It would be such a risk for her to voice that aloud to a man that she, Mm -hmm. like, she never do that without being invited. But I think if she did. Be invited is a key thing. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yes. The way that I, the way that I, I do a whole talk on this and the way that I put it in the talk was you got to imagine that your woman is like a pussycat, right? 
pussycat out in the wild. And if you're going to coax her inside, okay, maybe you're going to a glass of milk. Maybe you're going to like near her, let her know that you're safe. Maybe make a few little sounds. You're not just going to assume that the pussycat's going to stroll into the house. You're going to understand it's going to take a little time. It's going to take a little on your part, making sure she knows you're safe. So one of the things I teach my men is to proactively say to her, listen, I always want to know when something feels good and when something doesn't. I always Mm want to know please let me know and know that you're going to have to say that several times. It's, it's, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll ask them like, Oh, have you talked to your wife about sex? Have you talked to your partner about sex? And they're like, Oh yeah. But when I dig into it, what they've said is one, maybe one time they've said, what do you like? Or what do you want? And that's, and she's been able to articulate it or she hasn't been ready or whatever it is. And they're like, they, they're like, that's how I've talked to her about sex. I'm like, that's not, Really what I'm talking about, I'm talking, you know, creating a safe sexual space, which means doing it over and over. I always want to know. And then the trick is you can't fake it. So if you say, I always want to know, and she says, actually, the way that you finger me hurts, right? you can't get defensive. You have to say. Exactly. I was just going to say that. That's how they take it. Yes. Mm. And you're allowed to have your feelings. It's not that you can't have your feelings, but if she says actually the way that you kiss doesn't turn me on or the way that you finger me kind of hurts. You have to say, thank you for telling me Right, that stings a little. You can mm-hmm. say that you can share how you're feeling. You can say, actually, that stings a little. And I'm really glad you told me, thank you for telling me. I do want to know because if you, if you tell her, I want to know, and then she tells you something and you shame her or you withdraw because yeah. she told you the truth, she's not going to tell you the truth again. No. And-, and how do you come back from that? I mean, honestly, it's pretty tough. Even if yeah. you, even if it's just one time, it doesn't take much for her to be like, oh, you know, she will shut down. Exactly. Because she, because it was a risk for her to share. And if you're going to create a safe sexual space, it has to actually be safe. On the plus side, many of the men that I've taught, many of the men that have taken the course or that I coach have had really good success with this. And a lot of them I work with, I'd say most men in general really do want to know. And they really yeah. do. Mm-hmm. And they really do appreciate being told. And yeah, it can sting, especially if you've been together for a long time. Because, yeah. Oh, well, how long has this not been working? And that's like, kind of like, <laughs> you know, but I didn't want to say something because I didn't want to hurt your feelings. And right. a relationship is so precious, right? It's like sex is a part of a relationship. And it's like, if the rest of the relationship is going well, or if it's like, we have kids together now, our lives are entangled. It's right. really risky. It's really risky. So just yeah. Going in, how much of a risk it is for both sides to kind of share. Yeah, like, you know, for for men to share as well, it's it's risky. I can tell you from looking at the research that women consistently report that it's harder for them to speak up, particularly about things that aren't working. For men, it's easier. Yeah, Yeah. I can just being a woman, that totally makes sense to me because we feel like, you know, number one, we're more caretakers, we're kind of cultured that way. So we're going to be, you know, more quiet and be like, okay, we can just, we can make this work yeah, without yeah. actually making it work. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like yeah. something to say, but you have to like actually do it too. And I think you brought up a good point too. It has to be an ongoing conversation. It can't be, oh, I asked her that five years ago. No. Yeah. Not only that, our bodies do change. Our bodies learn things. Like, you know, say you get a new sex toy, you're going to maybe learn something new about your body. So this has to be an ongoing conversation. It isn't a one and done. Exactly. And I, I think it's a great point too, because 
women's bodies change over the course of a month as well as over the course of their lives. So Mm -hmm. I talk with men and I could sort of see it in their eyes. They're like, I don't understand why it's not working tonight. Like it worked last week. And I'm like, where my cervix is changes, how like lubricated I am changes. It depends Mm -hmm. on the time of the month. Like, so I feel like there's this, I think a lot of men kind of want a playbook. They're like, okay, I want to know the things that work. Yes. Mm-hmm. To work at the time. And it's like, that's not real. That's not how bodies work. It's not they how don't, especially women, especially women. And um, it also can't tell you how many couples I've worked with as well, where if there are little resentments that haven't been handled. Yes. Relationship, often a woman's physical body will close. Yes. So- hundred percent. Her vagina will close, like her vaginal cavity will become tighter and more rigid. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it will feel different because it's like, there's a part mm-hmm. of it that's not open to you because right. of these hurts, other things that are going on in the relationship. So the, yep. how clear it is between us as people in the relationship is connected to sex. Uh-huh. Just feel, I just feel so much compassion and so much love and just, what is the word? concern, I guess, for people mm-hmm. because we have so few resources really as couples. This is safe places we can go to to get help with our relationships. So there's so many people trying to do it alone, trying True. to do it themselves rather than getting getting some some assistance and some just some help, some clarity. You know, I was working with one of my couples the other day and it's kind of a long story, but they're they're working on conceiving right now. Okay. And he doesn't always come. Right. He doesn't always ejaculate. Okay. And okay. It's a really sensitive topic. And yes. to make story short, we we actually got to a really cool breakthrough in the session around initiating sex. And so oh. he so he has initiated sex for most of their relationship. But uh-huh. I actually think her libido might be higher than his in reality. Oh wow. So one, yeah. One of the things that came up, which I thought was really sweet, was she was like, Well, yeah, sometimes in the morning, like on the weekends, they often have sex in the morning rather than at night. She uh-huh. said, Yes. In the weekends, you know, I like, I'm into it. Like I kind of want to, but then you'll yawn and I'm like, oh, he's tired. You know, he doesn't want mm-hmm. to. And the guy was like, no, you should always like try. Like I want right. you to initiate. Anyway, basically got to this really big breakthrough around her feeling more empowered. We called it inviting mm-hmm. her sex kitten, like empowering her sex kitten. Oh yeah. Yeah. Also enjoying just a whole other level of relating in their, in their marriage. Wow. Mm-hmm. Of her like getting really creative and like initiating sex in different ways, wow. and when she's into it, right? When she's bringing her creative, her creativity and and fun playfulness, it's connected. It's tied to, you know, how much fun he's having. And I yeah, believe yeah. that is involved in ejaculation. It's like how much yeah. how much doing and how much how connected. It also has a lot to do with how much he's sleep he's had, right? Realistically, like, okay, yeah, sure, sure. Are you getting enough water? Are you getting enough sleep? Are you stressed? And all of that. Yeah. But I guess mm-hmm. my point is just having a third party, whether it's a sex coach or a relationship expert or a sex therapist or whatever it is, but just someone else to support couples. Like that was a yes. major through that that we got to in our session. And they could have gone years without ever getting to that. You know, they could have gone oh, yeah. quickly, right? Mm-hmm. Like her, her sort of like, I don't want to bother him. Maybe he doesn't want to. And him being like, mm-hmm. no, bother me, bother me. I want to be bothered. <laughs> And she's reading him with the yawn thinking, oh, shut down. And he's, yeah. no, that's not where he's at. Well, I was yeah. just, it's okay. <laughs> it's just like both wanting the same thing, but they don't know it because they're not talking about it. Right? Like they're so intertwined that, yeah. Oh, geez. 
And I've actually had couples take my course. So the course is called Please Her in Bed, uh-huh. course designed by women. But I, and so it's, it's mostly, it's for men who have sex with women, whether they're partnered or not, but I've mm-hmm. had couples take it together okay. and be able to talk about a lot more things, particularly her sharing more of like, yep, I've had that experience. Like, yep, I've wanted that. That's, that's led to breakthroughs as well. So I, that's something that I really have my attention on. Just, I work mostly with men right now, but I think there's so much room and, and need for support for couples of like, yes. how do we talk about this stuff together? Like, what are some questions we should ask each other? You know, how do we, how do we do this? Because I think there's a kind of a gap in the market of kind of hiring a sex therapist or a sex coach can be expensive. It's not with yes. everyone, right? It's not realistic or accessible. And I think there's a gap in the market between sort of like, oh, we read this one article on Cosmo, right? Versus we're hiring a sex therapist. There's a middle ground there, which I think yeah. you know, yeah. like my screening courses, I'm trying to, to fill that, to fill that hole. But I think more support for couples, self-led things they can do, or just ways that they can connect around this stuff that feel safe and inviting and not kind of like, I'm bringing this up because you're bad at this. Right. Cause a lot of people are right. like, and how do we even talk about this with a partner? How do I even bring it up? I don't know how to do that. I think, you know, obviously sharing a podcast like this is a great idea, but yes, <laughs> there's a I lot of space there and room and, and need for more support for couples. Cause we're all, it feels like a lot of us are just trying to do it ourselves. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't know that that's even not their number one. Number two, some people think it's, you're going to teach them how to have sex and it's not the act of sex, right? So people, number one, I think a lot of people don't understand it. It's still kind of hush-hush. I don't know if insurance covers it. But the other problem is you're trying to get the word out there, social media and things like Instagram decide to shut it down because it's about sex, right? And so it's like the struggle trying to get the word out to people. At the same time, you're being hushed because it's about the taboo word sex. Like you see on Instagram, people are S-E-G-G-S, S-E-C-K-S, because you can't say sex too much or they might shut you down or not show you to anybody. So it's just this crazy thing where we're trying, you're, yeah, someone like you is trying to get the word out there to help people and people don't even understand. I one time was talking with someone recently and they literally thought that what a sex therapist was, was they teach you how to have sex, like mm. the physical act, you know? Yeah. One of my friends is a sex therapist and it- also, it's just a really interesting dynamic being a woman sex therapist and dating. Yeah. Because yeah. no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just an, it's another interesting added layer of like, you know, or, or I'm a sex coach, right? I'm a sex and relationship coach. And so when I go yes. out, like, what do you do? And like, this is what I do. And it's interesting to to gauge the reactions. So some uh, kind of tell right away how comfortable someone is in their own sexuality or in their own yeah. version because if they're comfortable, they're often like, oh, that's really interesting. Tell me more. I'd love to hear. And if they're not, they either like immediately change the subject. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like just skip right over it. Like, oh God, heard that word. Got to move on. Got to move on right now. Or (laughs) or they they make a joke or there's something. But so my, my sex therapist friend, it was really interesting when she was online dating, you could kind of also gauge sort of how comfortable a man was with his sexuality. And it was much the same. It was sort of like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Like, I'd love to hear some of your stories or sort of curiosity was a very natural growth of of, of feeling comfortable. And then feeling uncomfortable was kind of like, oh, so are you going to like rate me or like, yeah, there was insecurity that would show up that was like, Uh well, really fast way of knowing if someone's going to be a fit for you. (laughs) Oh, I can just imagine that. And it doesn't take much of 
conversation for yet for you to assess where they lay there, where they're, you know, yeah, totally, totally understand what you're saying. Makes perfect sense. Actually, as an encouraging thing to those listening, one of the things I really loved about my research was the men, what men think makes a man good in bed is not what women say. So Mm. for example, less than 5% of women talked about a man staying hard for a long time. That did not make the list of what makes a man good in bed. Less than 3% talked about penis size. I think less than half a percent talked about looks or like whether he had washboard abs or things like that. So the 5% of women, it's, it's not important. You don't have to sport a big cock. You don't have to have a six pack. You don't have to stay hard the whole time. That is nope. not what women talk about when they talk about the men who are best in bed. Right. I, I'm going to give away everything because, of course, I do teach a course on it. But I will say <laughs> one of the things that came up a lot with women talking about the men who are best in bed, which was unexpected. I didn't expect this. I didn't think about it. But uh-huh. a lot of them talked about attention placed on them during the day. So oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. He he flirted with me over text or, you know, I could feel his attention on. I could feel his attention on me. And yes. I'm not talking about men, single men. I'm also talking about men in relationships, right? Like, Oh, sure. Absolutely. I could feel my partner's attention on me during the day. I could, I felt kind of held and, mm-hmm. or like, I'm excited to see you later. Or, you know, just for the, for the more sort of single people, it was like building the excitement throughout the day, like throughout the week, whenever, before you were going to see that person, a yeah. lot of women brought that up. That was a big one. Yes. And there was something else that surprised me. What was it? Um, uh, oh, they t- a lot of women talked about Again, back to the arousal patterns of men versus women. Um, yes. A lot of women talked about him being soft and gentle as as the encounter was starting. So like uh-huh. her ear or like touching her over her clothes, going slow. Like, you know, those, yes. those word clouds where you get all the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> things in the course, you can actually see the word clouds. Um, okay. But for the men that are best in bed, it's so funny. <laughs> The word slow is huge in the middle. Oh my <laughs> gosh. But yeah, a lot of women talked about like pacing, yeah. like going slow at first and like teasing and like soft and gentle. More foreplay, right? That's slow. Yeah. And I'm like, you don't need to look a certain way or have a certain cock or anything. Like that is right. so winnable. That is so, it is, this is so winnable. I just want to really make sure that yes. really get 100%. that. 100%. Mm-hmm. It's learnable, it's winnable, it's teachable, it's like not rocket science, and it is not what you're seeing in porn. So I, right. I I'm out here advocating for like if you want to learn about how to please women in bed, learn from women. Please, please learn from men. Yes. Watch porn and think that's how it is because that is a primary way that men are learning about sex right now in our culture, and we need to diversify because it's just like I don't know about you, but sometimes I watch porn and I'm like kind of cringe. I'm like, ow. And I'll like skip forward because I'm like, that that looks painful. Like she's not ready. Right. Yeah. Like she's not right. ready. Yet. Especially she's when they just dive ready. right into that act, right? Like it's like, boom, you don't see any of the the pre-stuff. Maybe there wasn't any pre-stuff. I don't know, but that's not how we want it. Yeah. hundred <laughs> so, percent. Very this is, this yeah. has been so totally amazing. I we need to talk again sometime. This was fantastic. I had so much fun talking with you. But before we end, I want to make sure that you tell everyone where they can find you, your website, your social media, and again, your podcast name so they can find you. Yeah. So my podcast is Dear Men, How to Rock Sex, Dating, and Relationships with Women. And you can find me at MelanieCurtain.com. 
my streaming course is Please Her in Bed, which you can find at pleaseherinbed.com. And I made you a little promo code. So it's your name, Rune. I'm saying that right. Rune. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Rune. Okay. Rune. Okay. Ruin will get you 15% off the course if you want to do it. Awesome. That's fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> That's so awesome. Well, oh, this I'm is working on my social media. So I just hired. Oh, a yeah. So I'm not really on social media yet. So. Okay. But you have the website. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And the podcast. The podcast is all across all podcast apps, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. Awesome. Well, everybody check her out. Amazing stuff. I was scanning through her podcast titles and I'm like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like it was a lot of amazing stuff. So check it out. And thank you so much for listening. This has been amazing and you have an amazing day. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Ready for some spring cleaning of your beard and groin hairs? Try out Manscaped products where you can get 20% off with my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to get 20% off and free shipping. In order to get the discount, use the promo code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to do that spring cleaning to get yourself ready for sexy times. Heat up your spring with a new shave, a new trim. Perhaps try going there. Get more skin smacks in the bedroom, if you know what I mean.